we haven't done previously, but we actually are this year. This, so this is the first time that we're going to have like a festive range of animal socks. And it's literally that, like we've got some Christmassy themed animals. Um, like we've got one of them, it's like a sloth with like, that's hanging from a tree and he's got like a candy cane in his paws. Um, so yeah. things like that. So yeah, and then I think we're bringing out some reindeer ones as well. So yeah, this is the first time we'll do that. And I think they're going to go down really well because people just love Christmas animals and socks. Like, and so we're kind of combining all of those. So it, ordering is tricky because you never know, really know how many to order, but I'm kind of yeah. like, yeah, tri triple that order. I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna go down really well. <laughs> G'day, I'm Lockie and welcome to D2C Slingshot, a podcast where we interview brand founders and industry experts to help you out on your own journey and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode. Today I'm joined by Lucy and you want to give yourself a quick introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, hi everyone, I'm Lucy. I'm the founder of a company called Bearkind and we sell bamboo socks where 10% of the profits are donated to save the animal on the sock. Uh, I'm based in the UK and we've been running for about five years now and about three years ago I quit my full-time job to do this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is a full-time entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. What were you doing before you started this business? Um, I was working at a large global bank. Um, I joined them on the graduate program and I rolled off into a, a full-time job with them. And yeah, just, it was fine. Like it just, it just didn't light any fires underneath me. So I was like dabbling in trying to do other things with this company. Um, so I, I stuck with the job for about two and a half years um, before jumping ship during COVID actually. Uh, that kind of gave me a nudge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I gave a lot of people a lot of, a lot of nudges. So yeah. many businesses started during that period. So it's quite funny. You did as well. Uh, did you find yourself getting bogged down in that like sort of nine to five bank job and that's why you tried to transition out or was it more like the bigger mission behind your brand? Because I know you have a pretty powerful mission behind your brand. Yeah. And that was kind of the reason I started it because I, I really wanted to do some, I really wanted to do something with animals. So I was, I was looking at, I was looking at jumping ship to another job. So I was kind of like, do I work in the charity sector? Do I go find something abroad? Like I, I really didn't know what to do. Um, but then with Bearkind, I feel like I've found that purpose. If I can run a business, I could, you know, we've got quite a few charity partners now. So I feel like I can help them in their, their mission to help save the animals as well. Um, so yeah, there is that kind of mission element to it. And then from a more practical point of view, I had a monster commute um, before COVID hit. So I was really like not enjoying that. Then when COVID hit, we like, obviously everyone went into lockdown. We were working from home. I was quite enjoying that. I was definitely working on the business more <laughs> during, <laughs> during that time um, than on my actual job, which is fine because I've left now. There's nothing they can do. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. And I think the, the thing with COVID, which I think a lot of people found is it kind of showed us that anything can happen so I was like if I don't grab life now and just do it will I ever so at the end of end of 2020 I, I quit yeah so did you always have an idea to start a business and the sock business or is it just something that you had to start brainstorming when you started to look at quitting your job no, I just, I really fell into it and it, it didn't start as a sock company. So it, it was never one of those like light bulb things. I, I tried a few different products. So it started with reusable straws, those like stainless steel straws that you started yeah. seeing everywhere. I'd not seen one before. And then my, I was with a friend and she just got a straw out of her bag at a bar. And I was like, what are you doing? That's really weird. And then it kind of transpired. Yeah. Like the, there was a massive kind of trend of this reducing single use plastic. Loads of yeah. EU laws were coming in and things like that. Um, and so I started there and then I kind of did to recycle tote bags, recycle t-shirts. So there were a few different things and then, but I knew I wanted to 
help animals. So the charity model came first. So that was like, I want to donate a percentage of profits. I really like this idea. Yeah. What? Let me test a few products. I just started on socks. I bought out one pair. It was a turtle design and people really liked it. And then I bought out four more and then I quit my job. Like it's, yeah. um, it's obviously a lot more happened in between that, but it, it was never, I don't know if it ever really is, but it was never like one big light bulb moment. Like I wake up, oh, I've had an idea and then I do it and I make my millions. Like there was just loads of like steps in between different products, realizing that they weren't the products for me. Um, and now it's a sock company. Uh, will it always be a sock company? Probably predominantly, but I think this charity model can work on other products. So we'll just see where it takes us. Yeah, it's funny that uh, you mentioned turtles because everyone's like, as soon as somebody sees somebody littering or something like that, they're like, "Oh, think of the turtles." So it's, exactly, is that how yeah. you come up with that idea, or that, is it like yeah, your favorite he, animal? Like, or? Turtles became a bit of a mascot for us. It was because of there's a particularly bad video of a turtle with a plastic straw stuck up its nose, and yeah. that was doing the rounds at the time. We were kind of selling these reusable straws, so it felt like a right next step turtles kind of had been linked with the company before. Uh, so started there and now, now we've got all sorts of different animals. We've got like 45 different designs now. Yeah. And am I right in saying you had a platypus one on there as well? We've got, yeah, we've got an Aussie range. Yeah. We've got platypus, wallabies, Gordian finches, um, and numbats. Um, and then we've got koalas coming this year, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. I might have to um, grab a couple of pairs, but yeah. yeah so Obviously, um, you didn't have this big new bright idea, and you didn't re like you didn't uh, go out and invent a new product. You reinvented no. the wheel. So, do you want to talk to me about that process behind developing the product? And is it different to any other sock, or is it just uh, a sock with an animal picture on it? Yeah, it is a bit different because the other thing that's kind of exploded in the last few years is this use of bamboo um, in clothing. Um, and the reason is it's, it is seen as a more kind of sustainable source. Um, so it's really fast growing. Like it's one of the fastest growing plants in the world. Um, there are, and I think it does come under some scrutiny. So there's, there are chemicals involved in taking it from the bamboo plant we know to the fiber because they have to kind of reduce it down to a pulp um so that's where it can come under some scrutiny but with a the factory we use that kind of in like a closed loop process so the chemicals are just used and used again in the same system um so that's quite good in that way so it is seen as like there's a kind of a sustainable option that uses a lot less water than cotton for example but then cotton yeah. also has its its pluses but from a practical sense um, it's really good for your feet um, and you'll see it being used in a lot of like um, underwear, um, loungewear, things like that. If it's um, clothes that are close to your skin, um, it's like sweat wicking, it's thermoregulating. So if, if it's hot um, in the summer, um, it keeps you cooler. Um, yeah. So really good for your feet. So we actually work with uh, or we stock a lot of podiatrists in the UK. So that mm -hmm. uh, these are people that look after your feet. So they like giving, um, selling bamboo socks to their clients um, because they are particularly good for your feet. So when we developed it, um, I was looking at like, you know, can I go for a slightly better, better fiber and better product than normal? And it was important to me to make it a quality product. And because I think the the mission is great, but that could, if not done right, I think it could be quite gimmicky. Like you might just buy yeah. the product thinking that's a nice mission and then the product's not very good. But sustainability is like tied up in our whole process. Like I want these socks to have uh, to be durable, to last through lots of washes. Like you don't want them to just fall apart. So that was a really important part of the process as well. Um, and it's ongoing as well. Like I think 
bamboo's good, but I think we could do better. Um, I want to kind of go into more closed loop fibers and uh, ideally I'd love like a completely circular sock as well um, in the future, but that's not 100% possible at the moment because it uses a lot of, um, you need nylon or elastane. That's the, that's the stretchy stuff in socks and that's not um, at the moment recyc recyclable. Um, so okay. I think some innovation in the sock world is required at the moment. Yeah, as soon as I first got bamboo socks, I think I just picked up a pair just from like walking around like uh, Kmart or something here in Australia. And I was just like, oh yeah, that sounds fancy. I'll just pick up a pair. But I haven't gone back since because like I do get pretty sweaty feet. So it's like, yeah. They're really it's good, definitely honestly, a better, yeah. better product, yeah. So Absolutely. with that better product, um, obviously you're selling socks and it's a bit of a lower AOV compared to other e-commerce stores. Mm. How are you dealt dealt with some of those battles yeah because our aov is about 25 pounds per order um it goes up during the christmas season so this is actually really interesting we're a very heavily gifting product um yep. so 60 percent of our revenue comes in november and december which is a really interesting challenge to manage throughout the year through like cash flow and just any challenge that comes with the business um so yeah i think there's just a few things we did because last year we we struggled at the end of last year because in the uk we had loads of postage strikes um so our postage cost went up three times because we were having to use couriers yeah. so tie that along with you know when, when we're sending something it's not necessarily it's rare that you get an over 100 pound order on d2c um so there were some big challenges there we used to charge free shipping in the uk and we've had to move away from that so there's kind of yeah. like adjustments we've made we now have free shipping if they spend over 25 pounds so we've put we're trying to push people up into the aov and above um yeah. but yeah i think at christmas to be fair at christmas people are buying a lot more the aov is is a lot higher because they're you know they're a good stocking filler and it's things like that so people tend to just buy a good few pairs just to stock up for christmas um but it is a challenge and yeah we've we see that on marketing as well especially with like all the kind of increasing costs um yeah and what we've done there is this year, last year, I feel like our marketing was kind of all over the place. And now we've kind of um, made it more consistent. We're just spending a budget per month. So we're just saying flat £2,000 split across Meta and Google. Um, and we're just, you know, we're allowing it to optimize. We change up the ads, we try different things, but that's actually been much more consistent. Our revenue is up year on year, um, but our marketing spend is down. So actually I feel like we've kind of flatlined a bit on marketing, whereas last year it was all over the place. Um, so yeah, I think we're seeing all the co common challenges that all DTC businesses are seeing at the moment, but we kind of have that added thing of we're so seasonal. Um, so we're yeah. really looking at like how we how we diversify throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, I know like I was I did a previous podcast with Andy from Pambros and he sells like really thick trackies and he has that same problem because here in Australia you definitely can't wear them in summer because it gets no. to like 45 degrees and you would almost die. Uh but like he's had to like just shift all his stock over to like the UK just to keep yeah. the cash flow going throughout the year. So have you done anything like that expanded into new markets yet or Not yet. That's that's what we're looking at at the moment. I think um we're looking at potentially getting a warehouse in America, which doesn't necessarily help with the seasonality, but we've got, we have got a lot of wholesale clients out there that, um, and we're looking to kind of expand into 
new channels, as it were. We're looking at a lot of influencer marketing and some of the big platforms are sitting in America at the moment. Um, but yeah, I so my partner's Australian, actually. So we spend quite a lot of time over there. So I think a natural also yeah. next step is to diversify and get our products in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, but another thing we're doing before that is we're actually diversifying in terms of um, what we're working on so summer in the UK is our quietest period in terms of sales people are on holiday people are just not thinking about buying socks Um, so we're using this time to build um, a digital course which is completely different from the core business model but we talk about the business so we've done we've released a podcast and we do a YouTube channel and stuff and we all we do is we talk about we basically build the business in public we show everything like we share our board packs like literally everything um, and the main part of it is we've done very well on wholesale we've gone from like zero to 700 retailers in less than 18 months um, and we're seeing a lot of other businesses our size and smaller kind of struggle in that field at the moment um, mm-hmm. it's very saturated um difficult to get in front of retailers but we've done really well so we're now selling a digital course to show other businesses and um we're filming it at the moment so i've no idea how it's going to go but we're hoping if that does well obviously there's a lot of profit in a digital product so we'll then just like funnel that back into the business yeah i don't want you to give too many secrets away for that digital course but i did have a few questions on the retail side of things like how did you first get started into that like did you start in retail or did you start in e-commerce and then transition into retail because i know a lot of brands are looking at that at the moment because uh the rising cost um of living inflation it's a real big problem at the moment and sort of brands are looking to diversify the rising cost of um your cost per purchases on Meta or Google or even TikTok. That's a really difficult place for some brands at the moment. And I think some are looking to pivot or try something new, maybe a bit of shiny object syndrome as well. Uh, But yeah, how did you, yeah, where did you start in that? Yeah. And I do really recommend the pivot as well. Like it's wholesale for us has been such a profitable channel. Um, Yeah. So we, yeah, we started as e-commerce and then we just kind of, slowly started dabbling in wholesale but i think the number one thing is to look at the there's a few marketplaces around um there's one called fair um f-a-i-r-e they're american and then they've kind of done a big expansion in europe but they are also in australia now um so actually if you're in australia like check it out because i think the benefit of this it's a very saturated marketplace but because they're newer in australia you're probably better off kind of being a slightly earlier adopter um and yeah it's just a writ like it's where a lot of retailers are starting to purchase their products now and it's it's just it's a big enabler um so how it works is you can do your own acquisition on it so it's like you get zero percent commission on your own customers but then they're also a marketplace so retailers can kind of find you on there okay cool so it's sort of like shopify partners for us like marketers because like shopify partners is just like a database of like Shopify approved agencies and stuff like that. And then if you do need marketing, that's sort of a go-to place. Is that what it's like for wholesale? I would, I'd liken it to Etsy for wholesale. So it's a, like okay. a lot of like independent brands and owners uh, that, you know, there is quite a bit of like handmade stuff on there, but we're not handmade. So it's kind of independent brands and then these independent retailers. So they're smaller retailers. They're not the kind of like department stores or anything like that. They're smaller retailers. Um, but we've done over 200 grand p- pound in this channel. Um over the last 18 months. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of money to be had in that space. Um, And it's, 
it's also very it's kind of like risk free as well because the the platform holds all the the credit the credit mm -hmm. risk um and the payment terms so they offer net 60 days payment terms to the retailers but we get paid by the, the platform so it's oh, cool um yeah it's a really really good channel and this is because we've done so well on that that specifically like a lot of our youtube channel is literally just how we've grown on fair like what we do how you optimize your page all this stuff so um we've cashed in quite well on that because people are new to the platform and they're like oh how do i use fair and then we're like bam here's our youtube video so <laughs> um yeah we've we've been doing quite well off that yeah nice and do you keep the retail wholesale side of things separate to your e-commerce business or are you taking some profits from there and putting it into e-commerce one because your margins are a bit higher on e-commerce or how does that how's that working for you at the moment yeah, it's it's all in the same business. So it's all coming into like the same bank account as it were. It's very like, I guess, blurred lines on that. From a team point of view, we're, it's a, actually a very interesting journey we've had. So I'd say last year, as so the team, um, there was a, a, up to seven people in the business last year, but that included some interns. We were predominantly working on D2C through the year. Um, and that we capitalize on that at Christmas. Um, but then when it comes to it, we realize that wholesale is such a big channel for us through the rest of the year. So our split is about 70% wholesale Q1 to Q3 um, in terms of revenue, but that completely flips on its head in Christmas. That turns then 70% D2C. So we've actually pivoted the whole team to work on wholesale from the start of the year. We do do some D2C stuff, like we keep emails going and we've still got Facebook ads running and things like that, but yep. we've moved we've moved people into wholesale acquisition, wholesale servicing. We hired someone specifically to work on wholesale. Um, so yeah, it's as a team, we're like straddling both because it's just a classic small business. You just have to do everything all at once. Um, but we really kind of pivot that to work on what's like the, the profitable channel for us at the time. Yeah, for sure. And you just spoke a little bit about your team there. How has that grown? Like, how did you make hiring decisions? How did you find the right people? And what does the team look like now? About seven people you just said. Yeah, it, it's decreased a bit now because we, we had some summer interns and we had uh, one person leave to go and join the grad program. So there's there's now four of us. And one of them is actually my partner who's recently quit his job to join me. So we're running the team together. But when I first quit and did my first kind of hiring decisions, I was actually very lucky that there were certain schemes available in the UK because of COVID. So mm -hmm. um, we had like a government Kickstarter scheme. So they were offering to pay to you to take someone on board who couldn't find work for six months um and so i took on this lady called jess um and she's amazing and now she's been with me two years full time now so i kind of i kept her on after the six months so that was kind of like a risk-free thing for me to do um and similar some of the other girls that joined came from like university intern programs so they were paid yep. for by the uni as an intern then i kept them on full time so i've not actually hired someone completely fresh full time into the business like i've had this kind of like risk-free probation period as it were yeah. um so it's worked really well but what i would say is when we've done our hiring decisions um we've hired based on we've not been super strict on the job role we've got a rough idea of the area that we want someone to come into but based on the people applying we'll then change the job based on them we're just looking for someone that's hard working um and we'll kind of like change the job because the 
the nature of the business is it's changing all the time. So we've got people that have their own like skill sets. So we've got like a designer, we've got a photographer. So we know they kind of fit into a more creative role, but then yeah. it is so like adaptable. So we don't really do like a really strict job description, just finding someone that's just got the work ethic basically. <laughs> yeah, that's something pretty difficult to find. And I found that myself as well, especially yeah. like, I, I don't know your situation, but when I've made hires, it's like, they're in a work from home role. And like, sometimes like, obviously, you don't mind if they go out for lunch, but if they go on for like five hours, you're like, where the hell are you <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. You're like, just trying to find people that aren't sitting on Netflix or TikTok or uh, I find it um, a bit of a struggle. But your, ha uh, your team, do they work from home? Or are they in a warehouse? or how does that look yeah we're work from home as well uh we're, we're kind of based everywhere so i've got one on glasgow someone that works between sardinia and the uk and then we're between australia and the uk so we've we've kind of set up the team saying work where you want when you want like i give them ultimate flexibility um it is it you, you have to trust them like it's yeah it, i like do provide that trust but we're also quite um outcomes driven so it is, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a micromanager. I've been micromanaged in the past. So I've gone the completely other way and I'm just not a micromanager at all. I think it's horrendous. So yeah. I give them ultimate freedom and trust. Um, and we do check in as much as we can, but it's, you know, we just have to trust that they're doing the job and we'll see that in the outcomes. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I do know that they're very hardworking people. Um, I'm sure there are days when they're less hardworking, but everyone has those. Um, but it is an interesting one for us to manage when we're in Australia, because obviously the time difference is we're just, we're not present during their working day. Um, yeah. So that's just another kind of level to, to manage as well, which I think is, is quite tricky because you do lack the team time then. Um, yeah. I think we do miss that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've struggled a bit working with the UK as well. And for a period there, we weren't taking on any UK clients just because of the time zone difference was so bad. And it does make it very difficult. Like if you're just, you need something from somebody and they're sleeping for the next five hours, yeah. you're like, yeah. <laughs> it gets it's a bit frustrating. Of a headache. Yeah. 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 Cool. So what about some of the other challenges um, in your business? Like, you've had to pivot to retail. What about some of the challenges in your e-commerce business? Like what's some of the main ones that you've gone through and sort of come out the other side? Um, a really interesting one that I actually don't feel like I've come out the other side of it yet, but um, I'm actually like really burnt out at the moment. And it's obviously like such a common thing for entrepreneurs. Um, I've had burnout before, but then I've just taken a break and come back and been fine. But this time around, I like can't like beat the back of it. It's really interesting. I think it's... um. It's an interesting one because my partner has come to join me now and we both work together. Um, it's We talk about the business all the time. We live together and we work together. My, his desk is literally right next to me. So I think it's that, I think that added kind of thing of that's the business is just everywhere. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 I mean, it's good in a way because the business is exciting. Like I love it and I love what I do, but then sometimes I lack the motivation and the, you're just not into it as I normally am. And then you feel guilty because you're like, how do I not love what I do every single day? So it's like that added pressure, um, which is just super common in entrepreneurs. So I'm working through that at the minute. I think for me at the moment, I just need to get out of the house more. Like I think it's also a working from home all the time thing doesn't, doesn't help. I need to kind of go and have a bit more boundaries 
um, because otherwise you're just in the house all the time and then the house just is where you work and it's just like a vicious cycle. Yeah, I can't imagine having a partner like working with my partner on the business either because she's a school teacher. She comes home and it got to a stage where she's just like, just shut up, Lucky. I don't care about the business. Like, she does, she cares, but she doesn't want to hear about it after doesn't she's care had that kids. Much. <laughs> yeah, after she's had kids screaming in her ear all day. So I just don't talk to her very much about it at all. But having a partner working on the business as well would be a lot more difficult. Uh, another thing that I had to change, um, and this probably took me a couple of years to develop as well, but now I get up in the morning and go to gym and then I've tried to play like golf once or twice a week uh, just to get out of the house because you do work from home and you're always like on Slack messaging clients or you're on customer support or whatever it needs to be and you're just at the computer all day. Uh, yeah, it is. I've actually like, I've kind of gone the opposite way of when I started, I was like, oh, ultimate flexibility. Like I can work on a Saturday, but then I fancy taking the Monday off. And But what is funny is you don't do that. You don't take the Monday off. You just work all the time. <laughs> um, so um, I'm at the moment trying to be super structured with it. So I'm trying to be actually go back to like, oh, what happens if I just work nine to five? Uh, I get up, I work out, I'll take a lunch break. I'll try and finish in the evening. It's okay if I go over, but I'll try and finish at a normal time. I'll try not to work too much on the weekend and I'll try to actually take holidays through the year. Uh, it's groundbreaking, I know. Um, <laughs> so so that's I'm just trying to put that structure back in and hopefully it'll work. Yeah, hopefully uh, for your sake. I, I, I've yeah. definitely like had to learn how to structure my days as well as an entrepreneur. It's like when I first started, I was all over the place. Like you can't focus. Like I, I feel like it takes a good couple of years to find a routine that like suits you because you might try all these different things and you get shiny object syndrome. It's like, oh, somebody told me to wake up at four o'clock in the morning, go work <laughs> out, go do this, go do that and start your your work day at 12 p.m. or whatever but uh yeah I feel like it does take a while to get into that routine as an entrepreneur it does yeah yeah to work out like what's best for you as well because it's you can listen to all the podcasts and read all the books but you I think you've just got to test different things um and then change it up for me I think um like I'll find one routine that works but that just that won't work forever like I'll kind of I'll either get bored of it or something will happen I'll want to kind of change it up so it's um again that ultimate flexibility does help because you have the flexibility to change it um but I think it's just something you have to kind of keep working on because it's it's yeah it's not all roses and puppies when you're working for yourself <laughs> yeah yeah definitely not what are some of the other challenges that you're faced within the e-commerce business like have you had like a say a really good month yeah obviously you've had really good months november december but how do you cope with that january february march period um january is actually not too bad because we kind of have because we have so many retailers they tend to stock up after christmas um yeah. so that's that's done quite well for us um that time of year is also when we release our charity impact report so we um we add up all our donations and we kind of discuss with the charities what that money actually does on the ground and then we release it in the report so that time of year is actually okay so there's i guess that's like a marketing tool really that's just what we're doing with the business at the time we kind of come out of christmas and decide okay quick let's let's get to the next thing um summer is really when we see our lowest period um so we struggle there a bit and so we're coming into that now again we're kind of relying on retailers but it's just always looking for like that next opportunity like a different channel a different you know someone new to work with a new partnership um 
so we're always looking for that next thing because it is it is really tough i think from a cash flow point of view we don't always break even every month um and we've got young people working for us like we've got people on our payroll so it's that kind of added added pressure um so i think yeah i i don't think we've we've solved it yet i think we're still in the business the business is still like not completely stable at this time of year um yeah, so we're kind of looking. We took investment a couple of years ago, actually. Um, and so I'm speaking to those investors again to see if there's any further opportunities um, from uh, like an injection of cash at this po- at this point, because we could do with it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, hopefully you get that funding again and you can do something yeah, with nice. it. But you spoke about like finding new opportunities and stuff like that. And you've been around for a few years. Did you happen to jump on TikTok early or are you on TikTok currently or... Uh, we we're on TikTok and we tried a few different things. Like we tried a bit of our, um organic stuff, and then we did try some ads, but nothing really stuck. And it's one of those like I know you have to be consistent and keep going. And it's just been one of those that we've we've just decided to invest our time in other places. So we've kind of really gone down the wholesale route, um, and that's a lot of email marketing. To be fair. Um, so no, it's just one of those that, yes, I know, like in an ideal world, we just have someone to just kind of rinse that. And I'm sure there's opportunities there, but we just, we just haven't prioritized that as a channel. Yeah. So what does your e-commerce marketing look like at the moment? Facebook and Google, are you doing anything else outside of that emails as well? Yeah, Facebook, Google, email. Um, we're interested. We actually did radio ads last year, which is a bit kind of like old fashioned, but uh, we had an opportunity to do them um, at the end of last year, like during the Christmas period, and they absolutely took off. Like that was a huge really? like driver <laughs> driver for us. Yeah, like it went really well because you're going out to millions. Like it's just the reach was insane, um, and so that was obviously huge awareness for us. And then we mopped it all up with Google because obviously like there's the only way to like find someone after a radio ad is to google the the company name um and i know it's obviously quite hard to attribute radio ads but we did have a post checkout survey and about 50 percent of people said they found us on the radio so that was huge so i think we'll try and do that again 25 percent lied as well just clicked whatever on the form yeah uh, that's the thing yeah you can't like fully attribute it but the, the uptake in revenue for us was just insane at that time um so i think we will try and do that again um this year uh, yeah, that's interesting. I haven't really heard of an e-commerce brand doing radio ads. Do you need, do you have any idea of like what the like CPMs were compared to say Facebook or Google? No, that I don't. It's so it's so hard to attribute. Um, and I, it, yeah, it, it's nuts. It was it was quite it was a weird time because the the other brands that were using the radio ads were huge. So we had like the National Lottery, and then it was like Jaguar Land Rover and like all yeah. these like massive brands. Then it was like Bear Kind Bamboo Socks. Like I was like, this is nuts. <laughs> um, so yeah, and so obviously great PR for us. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd do it again, but yeah, it is it is an investment. Like it is expensive to do radio ads. Hmm, interesting. Did you have one of those really annoying ones that just stick in everyone's head or was it <laughs> like, how'd you set that up? We didn't. So we didn't have a jingle. I wonder if that's something we try this year, but we didn't have a jingle, but we had this lovely lady from Manchester. So she's got this lovely Northern accent 
um and there were like animal noises in the background so i yeah. i don't know how much it would have stuck in people's heads but obviously anyone i know like friends family were like all i heard was your ad on the radio <laughs> like it, <laughs> honestly it was it was played multiple times a day across like multiple channels so it was everywhere um which is quite funny because when it when we were like waiting for the first ad i was like literally like stop the car stop the car everyone would, like like listen to it like film it film it quickly and then it was on like every hour for like the red like for like three months <laughs> Um, yeah. So I was like, oh, we, we yeah, we weren't going to miss it. <laughs> yeah, we have one here in Australia. It's Frank Walker National Tiles, and like everybody just can like just scream that ad off out the top of their lungs because they hear it so often. Uh, yeah, it's quite funny. You guys have ridiculously catchy ads, though. Like, there's there's a lot of like I feel like TV ads and radio ads that over the past few years, like my partner can like sing quite a few different ads that aren't even a thing anymore, but you just they just stick in your brain. So that's what we need. We need that kind of viral, like addictive jingle. Yeah, it's like one three double o six triple five o six is like the reading and writing hotline. Like everybody in Australia would know that number, and that was an ad that would have played like a decade ago. How funny! How funny! Is like that, I just I remember think. that number off the top of my head, just because yeah, just stuck in everyone's head. That's so funny. So we yeah, we need one that's like people remember, remember our website. I don't know if that's as catchy as a phone number, but yeah, we try that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, what are some of your plans moving into Q4? You mentioned that it's a pretty big time for you. Have you started planning for that yet? I think we should have done, uh, but we're right now, I mentioned earlier, we're doing this like digital course. We're just kind of trying to get that in. Um, at this time of year, what we try and do is just get summer done. So we'll just turn around and say like our marketing calendar, just anything that's happening over summer, we'll just say, guys, let's just get it done. Like don't spend too much time on it. Let's just get it complete. Um, and then let's move on to Christmas. So I think what are we in June? Yeah. So I think in July, we'll then start working on Christmas. We're about to place our order to get all the yep. stock in for Christmas. So all our like product designs and stuff are done and ready to go. We just need to order them. Um, but I think we're, we're probably still quite, uh, we're trying to act more like a fashion brand that kind of works honestly like 12 months in advance of everything going out but mm -hmm. i still think we're quite um we're still quite reactive um so we're planning maybe a quarter ahead at a time at the moment um so yeah no like big plans yet we haven't sat down with the team and done our strategy yet but it probably will be testing the radio ads again i think we'll we'll have a look at that again um we'll probably roll out creative that we worked for us last year this is the thing we'll just kind of test stuff that worked well for us last year maybe throw in some new things um but, and yes a big one is retailers come first so because they stock up before the d2c do yeah. so they'll kind of be like september they'll start getting their christmas stock in so we'll focus on that first um and then d2c is just a crazy time <laughs> yeah with your products do you do any sort of festive themes i know you're animal based but is there like a christmas animal or do you put santa hats on a crocodile or how does that look we haven't done previously but we actually are this year this so this is the first time that we're going to have like a festive range of animal socks and it's literally that like we've got some christmasy themed animals um like we've got one of them's like a sloth with like that's hanging from a tree and he's got like a candy cane in his paws um so yeah. things like that so yeah and no, i think we're bringing out some reindeer ones as well so yeah this is the first time we'll do that and i think they're gonna go down really well because people just love christmas animals and socks like and so we're kind of combining all of those so it ordering is tricky because you never know, really know how many to order but i'm kind of yeah. like yeah tri triple that order i think it's gonna i think it's gonna go down really well <laughs> 
Yeah. Have you run any into any supply issues in the past? Um, yes, everything's been delayed. Like over the last few years, it just feels like everything hit some kind of delay. So yeah, obviously we had yeah. COVID. Um, it didn't really, it didn't stop our supply completely. It wasn't like as bad as some of like the tech supply chains. Um, but we, yeah, we definitely had some delays. We had some massive issues with lorry drivers in the UK as well. Like there was a real shortage. So our lorry got stuck in Europe and the lorry driver couldn't come into the UK because he'd been vaccinated outside of the EU. Um, uh. And so the UK were just not letting him in. So then, and we couldn't find a lorry driver to replace him. So our lorry was just kind of sat there, like just with all our socks, just waiting. So we had like, yeah, we've had various issues like that. Um, Touchwood, it seems to have calmed down a little bit at the moment. Um, but there's honestly, I feel like there's always something going on that messes with your deliveries. Like we've not had like a very smooth one yet. Yeah. And how do you deal with that stress? Is it just like keeping communications up with your customers and like stressing out in your room by yourself or like, how, <laughs> like how, how do you deal with it? It's not too bad because we've, we kind of ordered ahead and it's not like, so we, we don't promise too much ahead. So we've not yet done like pre-orders or anything coming in i think the yeah. worst ones where it's most stressful is when it's meant to be coming in for christmas and it just gets more and more delayed um and there's if there's certain designs that people are waiting for so it's mainly the retailers um that will be waiting on something and that feels quite stressful because you're kind of saying i'm sorry it's co it is coming but we're just we're just really delayed um but on d2c it's not too bad because they just kind of kind of buy what's already there we've never been like fully out of stock of everything there's always been something so thankfully we've yeah not come into the issue of we've just kind of run out of everything and people are like where's your stock but we do have that there's certain popular designs that will run out and then people get annoyed that it's not there but <laughs> yeah. um, because it's just socks i think it's it, it just feels a little bit less stressful like they're not waiting for some like really in-demand tech product or game that's coming it's yeah there's there's yeah, always I, a few op a few options yeah i think pre-orders add a lot of stress um, like I used to have a client, they did furniture and they would pre-order like eight, 12 months in advance of do nursery furniture. So like parents were happy to just sit around and wait for that while the baby was cooking in the belly. Yeah. And then, so, but then the baby would arrive and like they had supply chain issues. So they're still waiting on say like a bassinet or something like that. And that's, uh, I think would cause a lot of stress for sure. Oh, hundred percent. Like, can you imagine that? Like they're, they're literally like, we don't have anywhere to put our child. <laughs> like, so yeah. it's, yeah, I think depending on the product and that's, and that is why I haven't really done proper pre-orders in the past because I don't know how many people would actually pre-order socks I think it's more of a retail um our retailers might um yeah. but you know it's not as a high demand product in that way that you're desperately needing it for your baby um so yeah until we're really smoothed out on the supply chain and I'm certain on all of the products and you know really happy with that we probably wouldn't do pre-orders but I don't think we need to yeah, 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 that makes sense. Now, earlier you touched on creatives for the like uh, Q4. Like, what sort of things were you doing creative wise coming into this period? Um, oh, literally everything and anything. I think last year we did quite a big focus on user generated content. So we were kind of going out and trying to get more authentic videos of people like unboxing our socks and things like that. That's that seemed to work really well last year. So I think we'll do that again this year. Um, sometimes just still photos so just just yep. still photos um of the product especially because the the pack packaging itself 
you know, so say we've got some penguin socks, the packaging is like these socks save penguins, like the, it's quite impactful, just that. So sometimes just mm -hmm. a still photo of that will do really well. Um, so we'll always bring those out. Then we'll try and add like some Christmassy themes to it. But um, I think I'd like to try some more videos this year, maybe, maybe even just me doing some founder videos with like voiceover or something like that. So I think for us, we're just always willing to try something new. We're like on the lookout. Um, you were saying before, um, I think before we started that you're kind of looking through Facebook ads library at like what's going on, what yeah. different brands are doing. So we'll just take some different ideas from um, different companies, different industries and just test it um, and then double down on the ones that work. Yeah. And we also use an app called uh, 4Play as well, which is an app that allows you to save uh, videos and uh, images at any ads from the Facebook ads library to 4Play. And it allows you just to brainstorm like all your ideas you can add like little hashtags so say if you want a comparison ad you just click on the comparison ad and all those ads that you've saved previously pops up and then you've got all these comparison ads that you can quickly go to and replicate say in canva or figma or whatever uh, software Sick. you use so that's a really good one and awesome. i might be able yeah, to send you that, that link to our one our one as well because we can we can just create like a queue for like inspo and just have like a hundred different ads in there and it's super easy because we never start from scratch personally i think that's like unless you're coming up with like a brand new concept that's groundbreaking it's never been done before then you shouldn't be starting from scratch because just the ideation like takes so long just trying mm. to get an idea and trying to find some inspo that takes so long so yeah having an app like full play or even if you are on the facebook ads library going to say um one of your competitors um maybe like even pop socks is probably a useful one for you as well have you heard of that brand yeah. no it's australian uh i think it's american but they hmm. were pretty much like i don't know if they were the first ones but they were ones that really blew up they printed like uh pets onto like pet faces onto socks yeah. uh okay. so yeah you would have seen that before and they really blew up um a few years ago so that's probably a pretty good facebook ads library for you to check out yeah absolutely we'll do that yeah and you're absolutely right like it's why reinvent you don't actually need to reinvent the wheel on this one like it's there's so many out just see what's already working and then just do yeah. that <laughs> yeah and there's so many different ads out there like you're just going to yeah. get overwhelmed with the inspo as well so um, yeah, you mentioned before that even just running a single image works really well. And we've been finding that with our clients as well. Ever since like Q4 last year, we had like in our Black Friday campaigns, we had a video, a gift and uh, ad set under uh, and a, like a static image under an ad set. And then it was like the image absolutely crushed it on like every account. So we've been like really doubling down on images recently uh, because that's what Facebook seems to be pushing at the moment. Obviously, video is really great for the storytelling, the unboxing videos and stuff like that. But what's bringing in the most amount of revenue for our clients at the moment is actually just static images with some graphic design added to it, like a cheeky yeah. headline or some benefit annotations or something like that. Just really simple stuff because I think, uh, I can't remember the stat, but uh, people consume or they can, um, they can take in images like 80 times faster or something like that mm. uh, so that recognition like they don't have to sit there wait five seconds on a video to see what like the actual hook is they can just instantly read the headline and go oh, i want that go to the website and check out uh, so yeah that's uh it's really working for us at the moment yeah 
Absolutely, yeah. And we yeah, we've done a similar approach with, you know, tried the static image with the, the graphics on top of it, whether that's um key proof points or just the ten percent of profits to the animals. Um but yeah. actually what's working for us right now is just the product. But what we've done it's um someone's holding the sock and so they've got the, the sock in their hands, but we've mm -hmm. completely changed the background to be the environment of the sock um so obviously uh, some of them do i don't think they look fake because they actually look really well done but they're obviously fake because yeah. it's someone holding a pair of socks and it's like in the ocean with all the fish in the background and stuff but that's working yeah. like that's eye-catching and people are seeing that and being like oh yeah okay so who'd have thought yeah that's um, a pair of socks underwater but people are like oh yeah that looks great <laughs> so just <laughs> yeah. yeah you just got to try different things until it works yeah are you using mid-journey or the photoshop at the moment to create those are you using any ai to help out with that or um i would be lying if i said i absolutely know because that's someone in the team she just she's very creative so she just goes and does it and delivers and provides it but i know i do know yeah. she uses photoshop for a lot she always has in the past um but yeah i have seen that yes you can use the kind of new photoshop ai models that just say put an ocean in the background and it will just do it so i'm sure we'll move to that kind of model at some point um because it just makes sense really <laughs> so much easier. yeah yeah it's pretty cool like um i was chatting with some boys in slack the other day some marketing lads and yeah they were just sending like oh my client is like they don't have this image but they don't also have the budget to go out and grab it so we just whacked it through mid journey and it's like it's not there but it's like 75% of what they actually wanted. So it was good enough for them to run as an ad and it absolutely crushed it. So there's definitely some use case for it. Oh, it's amazing. The, the technology and stuff that's coming out in that space is ridiculous. Um, it's actually the, uh, one of the things we're using for AI. I don't, actually, I don't know if you do this for yours, but with our YouTube videos, where you, I don't know the name of it, but it's an, an AI app that takes our YouTube video and then just pulls it into shorts um, yeah. automatically. It captions it and everything. Bam, done. Yeah, it's like, it's Op, so Optus easy. or something. Op, so, yeah, it might be that. OPUS for anybody who wants to go look that up. But yeah, like it, it would create like 15 different clips for you for like an hour video in like yeah. 10 seconds. It's nuts. Yeah. Especially because like someone came to us offering that as a service and did like a test. And I was like, oh, this is great. And then one of the girls in the team were like, uh, I think we could do this with AI and then just plowed out a load of them. And I was like, oh, 100% he's done that. And is then just trying to charge me for it. <laughs> That's yes really yeah there is um, so there's a lot of short form agencies doing that at the moment but unfortunately for like this podcast i have to pay for somebody to do it because it doesn't format correctly with like two uh. separate screens going so that's quite annoying but for my other videos that i do make the resources and that yeah that app's really good so good so good so easy <laughs> yeah for sure you just sit there click a couple of buttons the worst <laughs> bit is just downloading the stuff and organizing it which is a pain in the ass also yeah yeah this is true yeah so are you um using ai for anything else within your business at the moment maybe some like business operations or how does that look? we we do use chat gpt um for quite a few like producing some content writing some blogs some social media posts um things like that um it's kind of helpful for some of the ideation as well so we'll kind of be like you know give me a some 10 ideas on the youtube or uh we've yeah. actually used it for some acquisition as well so when we're trying to find retailers oh you can go to it and say give me 10 retail give me 10 gift shops based in x city in the uk and it will just kind of provide a list and i i think it's not quite there because it's some of them will be 
shut or like you know the, yeah. I feel like it's 80% of the list is actually usable but um, I, I just think there's so many user cases there that we haven't tapped into yet so I think we're at the very like surface level in terms of using AI in the company yeah sure and yeah it only really come out like maybe like not even a year ago yet <laughs> so it's very early and most people it, like yeah. if I go home and talk to my family or whatever and I mention chat GPT everyone's like I don't know what that is so no, most people haven't even used it yet <laughs> so, yeah, true. and I'm sitting here like on it 24 <laughs> 7. Yeah. it's just yeah it just it's it's pretty incredible like when you're using it and you're yeah it's um, I am very impressed with it, um, but I think, yeah, it's not quite at the level of very, like f fully embedded in what we're doing yet. Yeah, for sure. So moving on from that subject, you just want to touch a little bit about building in public. What are some of the benefits to that and some of the challenges? Yeah, so this is something we've recently started doing this year. Um, and so, yeah, we're literally just trying to share our journey and where this came from while we started it is I was just kind of like looking for somewhere or at least a business that shared more about what they do, but they're at our stage in business. Because I think you find like a lot of the podcasts and books, the entrepreneurs that are willing to share their journey have been there, done that. They're quite far ahead. They've raised their millions. They might've even sold and done a multi-million exit. Um, and I just don't, it's inspiring, but I don't feel that's very relatable for my stage in the business. I want to hear from someone that's like a few footsteps in front of me. Um, yeah. So we, we started a podcast um, and it's called Candid Founders. So the, literally the premise of it is like, we're just being super candid with what is happening in the business. Um, and we, we've put it on our Bear Kind YouTube channel. Um, and so that's fairly recent. We've probably got about 10, maybe not as much as 10 episodes out. Um, but we're really showing, showing like, you know, this is how much revenue we made. And then we did profit. And then we're like, it's literally everything. We've even got to the point where we have a monthly board meeting um, with some, with our, like our board pack and we've got some board members and we're now putting that on YouTube and we're literally saying, this is our monthly board. This is, this is what we discussed. This is how we're growing the business. Um, rightly or wrongly, I don't know. I don't really know if it kind of leaves us open to vulnerabilities. I've no idea. We'll find out. Um, but I just think because no one else is doing this, I feel like I should be doing it. Um, and so, yeah, I think pros is, I guess we, yeah, we've been, we're being praised by people that are saying, this is really cool. You're doing this. I'm learning so much from you. I, I take a lot from that. As long as someone is taking value from it, I feel like it's a good thing that we're doing. Um, I hope that, yeah, we're now looking to like monetize this channel where we're bringing out a digital course. Um, we've had a few sponsorships and things like that. So we have now made some money from that channel. So I see it as like, there is definitely an opportunity here that we could capitalize on. Um, cons, I do wonder if it, open, it leaves us open like to vulnerabilities, I guess. Technically, yes, if you're a competitor, or if you're looking to start, do something start a sock brand you could look at this and be like oh i'll just do what they're doing but yeah. there is so much work that goes into what we're doing that yeah fair play if you're going to kind of rinse repeat what we're doing but there's you'd have to put a lot of work in to get to where we are today um so at the moment it's just pros um but <laughs> we'll have to see how it goes yeah so you don't get any like haters in your comments or maybe like different brands coming in and say hey you should be doing this just throwing their opinion in all the time maybe some spiteful ones as well not spiteful yet i think it's uh, it's early days um and so yeah no one no one's been spiteful yet um 
I guess, yeah, that's if you put anything on that out on the internet, someone's going to be a dick about it at some point. But no, no, everyone's being really supportive so far. And we're actually getting really nice, engaged people that are coming back each week and being like, thank you for sharing this, really useful. And then asking me a question about something else um, or something related to the video. Um, I want people to come in and be like, why are you doing it that that way? That's silly. You could try this. Like, mm. I want that feel. Like, this is almost why we're building in public because we're kind of opening it up to say, we're not experts. My partner and me, we both came from banking we have no experience in fashion and e-commerce other than what we're doing right now our team is quite young young and inexperienced they're great but inexperienced so we're openly saying we're not very experienced in this in this sector so tell us what we're doing wrong so i'd open anyone to kind of like challenge and critique us on what we're doing um but i think that's the case with a lot of e-commerce businesses that you you don't have the experience until you just do it um yeah so yeah so i think it's helping us it's also a great process for us to kind of it actually gives us that step back from the business that kind of like you know take a step back look at the strategy discuss it like because we're doing it in public it's kind of like oh actually we need to really understand what we're doing here rather than just working on in the business all the time every day so that step back is actually really helpful for us as well yeah for sure and if you're looking on input like are you on twitter at all uh, yeah, and my partner, he's more than that, he tweets quite a lot as well. So he's, I think, sharing it more than I am on there. Yeah, because I think that's a really good space. It's like money Twitter, mm-hmm. as like so many agencies, high level people on Twitter, uh, compared to say like Instagram or uh, TikTok. Like, I don't feel those communities are engaged or like the level of expertise mm-hmm. is as good. Uh, but like, I found it super valuable valuable to be a part of Twitter, just networking, because I don't find many e-commerce brands are on there, but a brand that's built in public that's done quite well is, I'm going to butcher the name, but Aribi or something like that. It's O-V-B-I. It's like a supplements brand. Um, So you can go look that up and they've built in public as well. And they've got quite a big following now. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll check that out because I'm not seeing a huge amount of people do it. So we're, yeah, it's, we want to kind of learn from people again it's that learning from someone that's done it before and kind of optimizing towards that yeah cool and it sounds like you're pretty big on like obviously sharing your ideas and learning from other people are you involved in any communities outside of like your own little bubble at the moment like are you part of like slack channels or facebook groups that you find pretty valuable Oh, I've, I mean, I've done a few, like I have done a few Slack channels and I join them and to start with, you're like, oh, like this is going to be great. And then I just don't keep up with it. I, I, there's not, I've not found a single one that I've stuck with. Um, and I, maybe that's on me, um, uh, that I, you just should spend the time, you know, to, to get more involved in it. But yeah. again, it's just that classic, you just get caught up in your own stuff and then just keep going. Um, I do. Yeah. I like a podcast. I wouldn't say there's any particular podcast that I listen to all the time and I do like reading but uh yeah I don't actually think there's many communities that have helped as I said before we've started a board um and that has been the most helpful process I would recommend that to anyone that they're just they're they're just two friends uh we've got a McKinsey consultant and someone that's a CMO for a fashion uh for a fashion brand and then a startup so they've done very very well in their careers they're very smart people we just happen to be friends with them and they're willing to give us their time um and that process has been amazing I'd recommend that to anyone to like form this kind of like advisory group that does that step back they check and challenge us every month um and that's yeah that's really helped it's been a real helpful process and again we just share that ball pack then on youtube 
Yeah, for sure. I think it's important to find that close circle. Like the Slack community is a great or posting it to YouTube's great and going out to that wider community, but having that close knit circle that's sort of in a position where you want to be or on the even on the same journey as you. Like I have one myself, there's a few of uh, the boys in the chat and we'll just flick different ideas in there just randomly throughout the day. And that's always been helpful for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and another one that you've just thought of is we've got, there's a couple of brands that we've met through the wholesale space. So we don't really know them other than we've seen they have done well on wholesale. I think one of them like connected with me on LinkedIn and we just had a chat to say, oh, let's share some ideas on how, you know, how have you been doing it? How we've we been doing it? And, and then we have a monthly call with them now or maybe bi-monthly, but that's, there's a couple of brands out there that we then, we just go to them and say, we're both doing well. So let's collaborate and just kind of share some ideas. Um, so that's another thing that those relationships are really important because we learn so much from them and maybe they're, I think they've done like some of the brands have done exceptionally well in the D to C space. So we can learn from them on that. And then we can teach them like what we've done on wholesale that works. So, um, yeah, we don't, you don't have to be like close friends with them to kind of build that relationship. So yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. The network is important in that, in that instance. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so just before we finish off today, do you have any questions for me? Uh, how, uh, because I'm just learning in this like podcast space, I'd love to know what your kind of tips are, like how you've like grown your audience and got out there. Cause I feel like it's quite, there's, it's such a saturated space podcast. It feels like everyone's got one these days. <laughs> so I kind <laughs> of love, love to know like what your thoughts are on, on growing one from scratch basically. Yeah, so I'm I'm in a similar situation to you. So I think I'm a fair uh, like a like a handful of videos ahead of you at the moment. But pretty much what we're doing is just creating those clips, posting it to YouTube, posting it to Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, like anywhere we can. YouTube Shorts, uh, and yeah. trying to grow it as much as we possibly can, keeping up on socials, um, and then sort of if anybody's. Um, finding the podcast or the clips then yeah we're referring them to the longer form or the shorter form um and yeah it's a bit of a grind and we like the reason why i started is to sort of hopefully just stand out from the crowd a bit more in the agency space and position myself as a bit more of an expert in the space mm. uh because yeah it's quite competitive compared especially compared to four years ago where uh, not every guy in his bedroom before he's ever dropped out of school is starting yeah. a social media marketing agency. I know. Yeah. And have you found any of those channels work quite well? Like when you're posting short form? Uh, so at the moment we haven't had one that like gets like a million views or whatever. And I think the podcasts that are doing quite well at the moment, they've got like a really fancy studio set up and that sort of thing, um, which I feel like helps just that perceived uh, value uh, that you've got to get from that podcast. But we get um, a fair few good engagement from those short form clips and it's definitely helping. I think it's a lot harder to grow long form because people get bored in like mm. t within two minutes and then they don't even watch the rest of your video anyway. So I think it's important to do those short form clips and even with your, your own business as well, especially if you have a, um, a e-commerce product, then be like on TikTok, on reels, like they're the fastest growing organic platforms at the moment. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. God, it's just finding the time to do it all, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just need to get on those uh, cap cut templates like everyone else seems to be doing at the moment. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh gosh, yeah. All the channels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a grind to keep up with. Like I've had to put a team in place just to distribute the content that I'm making at the moment, which is quite difficult like I was like becoming burnt out like I was spending like two three hours a day just writing content scheduling it across different platforms it's insane yeah yeah it's a lot but yeah content is king these days isn't it so and yeah I think if we've almost like made it more difficult for ourselves doing this like YouTube podcast content because it's you dive into it thinking great this is a great idea and then you don't realize how long it takes to like film it and edit it and get all the lighting and the audio just this is so like we've got lights coming out of our ears now um yeah but yeah i think at the moment it seems worth it we've actually said we'll commit to 100 episodes of the podcast and if it hasn't really done anything we'll pivot and do something else but um 100's a lot so (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i think the stat that goes around in the podcast community is like uh, not even one percent of podcasts make it to 20 episodes or something so yeah make it past then Yeah, yeah. we've already succeeded. I think we're in the like top 5% of the world or something. (laughs) Yeah, so that's right. Just keep up the grind and I'm sure things will come from it. And you're always going to be like, like the more content you put out, the longer you've been around, like people will start to recognize you and Mm. yeah. True, hoping for that, yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, that's the end of the episode today. I think we'll finish up there. It's been lovely to chat to you today and learning about your brand and how you've built it and where you're going as well. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Well, there you have it. Unfortunately, this is the end of the episode, but if you're looking for more, be sure to find more episodes on the platform you're viewing on or head over to Instagram to find tons of valuable clips.